This episode is brought to you by the Arvada Center because they're kicking off their summer concert series in June. Relax under the stars at the Arvada Center's outdoor amphitheater and take in acts like Melissa Etheridge, Big Richard, Tower of Power, Preservation Hall Jazz Band, The Spin Doctors, and so much more. Concerts are scheduled for June through September. You can find a whole schedule of events and get your tickets today at arvadacenter.org. That's arvadacenter.org. Today on CityCast Denver. Has Denver lost its mojo? Or are we just overlooking our own secret sauce? The things that make this place so great. After the mayor's state of the city address left us feeling, well, deflated, we decided to chat it up with our friends at Westward about what Denver is missing and what we can do to get our mojo back. And yes, we are talking about smoking weed in public and the Monforts in the same conversation. Today is Friday, July 22nd, 2022. I'm Bree Davies, and this is CityCast Denver. Welcome back to CityCast Denver, the show about the city that, as I learned recently, does in fact have a giant pair of scissors for ribbon cutting ceremonies. I saw them in a picture for the opening day of that new bridge park thingy in the area that some people call Rhino. Westward editor and founder Patty Calhoun, welcome back. Thank you so much, Bree. What do you think about that park? I think it's great that it's Arkans Court. And I think if you remember what that used to be like, it's great that it's there. I will say it's always very interesting when people decide to call that area Five Points, and I think we're glad no one called it Five Points when there was the shooting on July 17th. Uh, Everyone's very vague on what that area really is, which is ballpark neighborhood. But I don't have any problem calling that part Rhino, because that is the newly gentrified part. It's not, that's not Five Points. That's fair. I think we could have a show on that one day. What is that particular section called? Also with us today, Westward staffer, Connor McCormick-Cavanaugh. Welcome back. Thanks. What did you think about the new park at Arkans Court? Uh, I, I biked over there on my e-bike the other day, and I think it's really cool. It's uh, I like areas where the kind of the purpose of it is to make space for people, and that's just the whole purpose for it, and I think it's going to do a really good job of that. Yeah, it was kind of an unused part I think there's more to the story, as Denverite talked about with this developer. Eccentric. Yeah. I don't know if yes. you saw his shirt in the Denverite piece, but it was, I guess that's called Paisley. Did he have a Paisley shirt on? Kind of like Miami Vice Paisley. And I think he had a tie around his arm, like a, a tie armband. I have to say, Kevin Beatty has given him some great shots. Like, he looks cool in part because Denverite's photographer knows how to make somebody look cool. Kevin Beatty is a treasure. He is. He, yeah, he's documenting this time and place in Denver for us, thank God. But that's not what we're talking about. Um, Today, we're talking about uh, Denver getting its mojo back. And... um, That was Westward's cover story, this latest cover story. But Patty, I want to start with what do you mean by mojo? Why does Denver need to get it back and what is it? Denver has always felt like a pretty cool city. And I should say most people who move here think they're moving to a cool city. I won't go back into the late 70s when I moved here when Denver was so cool. (laughs) Let's not blame John Denver. But people were coming here in droves and it wasn't because of the Chamber of Commerce. Right. 
They were coming here just because it was beautiful. People felt they could do what they wanted here. And I think that's always been the feeling about moving to Denver until recently. And back in 2011, we were declared the coolest city in the country, not by one of those inane listicles that always come out, but actually by the Brookings Institution, which had parsed all the U.S. census figures, and Denver was attracting more Gen X, more millennials, more everyone between 25 and 34 than any other city. And that continued for a long time. And then Denver suddenly fell flat. And part of it is obviously the pandemic. Right. No one is feeling particularly perky. But it's not just that. You felt like Denver was becoming more apologetic. You didn't have smart defense against the Denver in decay people. Every city has homeless problems now. Sure. You have to deal with them. I wouldn't say we've dealt with them in a smart way, but Denver still has a lot of great things, but we're not looking at them. And the city boosters are not recognizing them. They're not pushing them. So I said it on this show. I thought Denver had lost its mojo, just kind of lost its momentum. Our ability to say, hey, cool stuff is still there is cool stuff here. And it's up to us to tell people that it's out there. Yeah. Connor, resident transplant. As you were accused of on Twitter this morning. How long, how long have you been here? Uh, a little over four years. What do you What do you think of this idea of Denver's mojo? Uh, I think uh, Patty can obviously talk more credibly about it, but um, I, I I really love Denver, and I think it's a special place, and there's something in the air um, that's that's unique and great about Denver. Um, the people are, are, are really great and awesome to be around. But I, I do think the pandemic and yeah, it's there's just something that does feel a little flatter about the city and it's not in decay. And I often make jokes about like how silly the Denver and decay, decay people are <laughs> yeah. because they, they're really not living in reality. But there is something they're not living in Denver. I know I'm like they're not downtown like we are or go to a city that's actually in decline and it feels very different. Yeah, I don't know. They the problems they describe you can see in any city in in the US. It's just kind of like an urban issue. Um but yeah, so So that's what we're talking about is this mojo idea and and you you all started this piece with things that are great about Denver. Things we should be celebrating, things maybe we're taking for granted. Patty, what's one of those things? Well, one of the things immediately after the Supreme Court came out with its Roe v. Wade decision, you have to remember that Colorado was the first state to guarantee women the right to an abortion. Limited, but it was in 1967. And it was a Republican legislature with a Republican governor who signed, it was Dick Lamb's push, signed it into law. And Colorado has continued to be very independent that way and at the forefront of things, gay marriage, so many different issues. We have to remember that, that this is an independent group of people. They might disagree with each other, but they can all agree they can carve their own path. We did it with marijuana. We've done it with other issues. And we have to celebrate that. So that was definitely one of the things we talked about. I mean, especially celebrating it right now when we're watching the opposite happen uh, in other states across the country and 
the pressure that that's putting on Colorado to be a provider for reproductive health, but also the fact that it exists. And we have leadership that openly supports it. That they went ahead, that the legislature and polis were so foresighted that they went with the Reproductive Health Equity Act, which at the time seemed like it was an unnecessary gesture. But three months ago, you... Who knew? Yeah. Who knew what was going to be coming? So they were actually very farsighted. Yeah. And I was going to say I would give props to like groups like Cobalt and Calor uh, that are working on reproductive justice issues that saw that and said, hey, we need to make sure that this is as close to codified as we can make it in this state. Um, Connor, what about you? What do you think that what has Denver got that we're not we're not giving enough credit to? Well, we have Levitt Pavilion, which is great, uh, has the free concert series. I wouldn't even call it a series. It's kind of like a a, a multiple series. Yeah, Yeah. it's 50 50 a year, maybe 55 this year. And so that's like a really really incredible asset that the city has and that the residents can enjoy. And then Red Red Rocks is really great. Um, it's, it's one of the best concert venues in the world. Every performer who plays there loves playing there. The Beatles played there in 1964. It didn't, it didn't sell out, but yeah. It's my mom, my mom got, I think my mom got to go with her, with her big sister. It was like the deal if if her sister took her along, she could go. How was it? I think it was awesome. I mean, my mother's a lifelong Beatles fan. so. But yeah, I, you're talking about something close to my heart, uh, live music here in Denver. Um, we talked with the folks at Levitt Pavilion earlier this week. It's pretty awesome that we have this venue in the middle of the city that's accessible by bus and bike and walking. And we get national as well as local music to the community, oftentimes for free. Patty, would you have seen something like Levitt coming here? I don't know, two decades ago? No, I mean, well, because who can even imagine that you are going to get national acts 50 50 concerts a a year for free? I mean, we've always had an interesting live music scene, which is always about to break out nationally, sometimes does, but is very supportive internally. And that's what's important in Denver. So something else I wanted to talk about, which sort of ties into this mojo idea is the mayor's state of the city speech from earlier this week. Um, Connor, you were there. Do you think the mayor is aware that Denver may have lost its mojo? He's probably aware, but he can't really talk that way. He has to kind of talk up Denver and talk up his legacy but yeah, the the speech I, I would I would refer to it as kind of like nondescript. Like there there weren't a ton of um, landmark moments in it. I, I think the phrase "a city in motion" is is not really a great phrase to describe a city. It, it I could see what he's trying to describe. Maybe it's like Denver is a city that's moving and headed forward and heading in a positive direction, but. That's not a, there are so many other ways that you can capture that that are actually gripping and and kind of interesting. Patty? Well, I took the advance of that speech because we were going to press that day. So I was reading the advance of the speech to see what we might have to change. And I was just, I was hoping against hope, which would have been my having to rip up the story, that he would actually say something exciting because let's face it, he is the mayor of the city. He could be out there doing more to boost the city. 
the downtown partnership could be doing more to boost the city because really the area that needs it the most is downtown. Is downtown. Sure. People have to understand police shooting you at let out aside, they're great places you can go. That They're parts of the city. I mean, Connor can talk about when you come out of Coors Field after a Rockies game and the owners of the Rockies are a different issue. <laughs> but there are places downtown that are great. We're talking about people doing really interesting things. And the people who are not doing interesting things to help them are our government officials. Do you think, though, Patty, since you're someone who's seen this city through many mayors, is this time that we're in unique? Is that is is Hancock sort of dealing with something that's unique or is this something that we've been through before? Have we lost our mojo before? Well, you think about it, the old malaise. People have been in malaise before. Uh, you go back to, I think it was the Jimmy Carter area, era in the 70s, you know, when you do go through periods like that. But now more than ever, you need to point it out and say, look, get out there, go again. You have to go against the Denver in decay narrative because it's not right. Denver's not declining. I would say Denver's flat. We are facing a lot of issues. The high cost of housing, no question. The homelessness issue, that's an issue. But there's a lot that is still good that we should be promoting and the city should be doing more. Well, what are those things? What could the city do? What, what could the mayor have done? Well, one thing, let's look at Lakewood, for example, which has been so proactive in what it has done with 40 West, the arts district. They got the galleries that were priced out in Denver. They've really pulled the creative class into Lakewood, which is not what you would have thought, but they have worked hard to do that. We could have done more. It's not like Denver doesn't have money. Visit Denver gets a lot of money. The city of Denver has gotten a lot of money, especially from the because of the pandemic. We could be doing more. Yeah, I think that's the struggle for me is we know there's a lot of money here, and it's not necessarily being directed towards the things that could make all of our lives better every day. Um, so... We should talk about more about some of these particular things that are that you all felt were sucking sort of the life or the mojo out of Denver or that need fixing. Um, we talked, you, you all talked about public consumption, uh, later hours, closing hours for bars and event spaces. Uh, uh, Connor, what what's one thing you would you would love to see Denver deal with? Um, well, this is kind of out of the city's hands, but I'd love for the Monforts to sell the Rockies to someone who's just. <laughs> filthy rich i think that would be amazing and because right now i mean you leave a rockies game on a friday or a saturday night and that area is just bustling it's so dynamic it's so fun to be there there's great energy imagine if that was monday through sunday like and a real big city like a real big city but still with that cool denver vibe and that could totally be the case but Colorado and Denver is really settling for kind of a, a uh, second tier baseball club. And it has a lot to do with the ownership, them not wanting to spend as much money as they should and, and being content to just see profit and not reinvest that profit into the team. Not do any sort of like city boosterism with the power that they have of owning one of our sports teams. Well, I mean, the the Rockies, so they're never going to be like the Dodgers um, in terms of like this really rich uh, club that can attract great talent in the West. But they can be like the Philadelphia Phillies, kind of like that below the top club tiers in terms of like really rich owners who spend a lot of money. And, and that's what the, the team should be doing because 
Denver is one of the premier sports cities in America. And I think pound for pound, it's one of the best just per capita if you think about the kind of pride in sports. And the one the one kind of uh, black sheep of the family is the baseball team. And it's because the owners don't spend enough money. Do you have a dream owner in mind for the Rockies? Well, I mean, someone like who Mets fans call Uncle Stevie, Steve Cohen, the guy who Billions is based off of. He's just he's just filthy rich and he spends money because he views the Mets as his as his toy that he wants to take care of, not as an asset. Mm. He's smart with money, but it's still his his toy. And that's what you need um, from an owner. So someone like as rich as a Jeff Bezos or on that level or maybe a Robert Smith, um, all these all these owners are going to come with baggage. Of course, but that's just kind of the nature of really rich people. But someone just, <laughs> yeah, filthy, filthy rich who just wants to write checks. Who do you think that would be, Patty? Well, we saw plenty of them come forward for the Broncos. I was going to say. It might be someone in the Walton family. I'm more interested in some of the fixes Denver could make and hasn't. Like, let's talk about let out. And we saw the ramifications of us not really having dealt with that issue on the 17th, which is, all the bars let out at exactly the same time. And over the last decade, there have been various movements on both the city and the state level, because Polis has talked about it, of doing a rolling let out. So you do not have tens of thousands of people coming out on the street at the exact same time. Presumably that would make it easier to avoid hitting people, I guess, if you're the Denver Police Department. But yeah, I was like, that's a whole other issue of them that's shooting. A, that's a, a different issue. But if you had a rolling let out, say, go from midnight till 4am, maybe even 6am, you're going to be you're going to have police presence down there anyway, all night, because that's the na- that's the nature of that neighborhood. But let out has always been an issue and we come close, but then we just kind of pull back from dealing with it. Because there's not really the political will. It's not really one of the driving forces. But I think now could be the time for that. You also look at how ahead of the curve Denver and Colorado was with marijuana. And I'm not saying we have to all go toke up in the middle of the street. But the fact that we haven't come up with a really strong public consumption plan and this whole delivery mess that 10 years after we adopted Amendment 64, Denver is still dealing with it. It just had to return, to, it just had to revise its whole delivery licensing plan two days ago because it's been such a failure. Why are we held up on the con- public consumption part? Because that is the part that's like the most nonsensical to me, right? You can walk in anywhere, you can buy weed, but then how or where you consume it is very cumbersome. Right. If you want to be a, you can't have a liquor license and apply for a public consumption license. But at a certain point, if people can have smoking areas, they can have smoking weed areas. People let the buyer beware. And you have all these tourists come and then they can't smoke anywhere. So it's very confusing. I'm not saying we have to be in the middle of Civic Center Park or in the middle of Broadway, but it should be less burdensome to actually get a public consumption license. Yeah, you should be able to get like an omelet. And then with your omelet, you can have, you know, a pipe. Yeah, a smoking area. <laughs> I mean, it makes it makes sense from that perspective of like, we had smoking and non-smoking sections of restaurants and bars for decades. Right, you should be able to have a patio where a you separate area. Yeah. I, yeah, I'm so, I'm just perplexed by why that's consistently been held back because it just seems like a boon for us economically, you know, having a place to do it. 
and just removing some of the confusion. I mean, that's part of this whole thing. Denver sometimes just seems very confused. And we've heard about people trying to get through the building department and all the other bureaucratic tangles they get tied up in. Every mayor has come through. And as I said, this isn't new, but this does seem more um, that Denver seems flatter than it has for a long time when there's not as much excuse for it. So we're kind of tiptoeing into this time of the mayor's race, upcoming mayor's race. Again, we have this mayor who's on his way out. Um, I'd love to hear from both of you what you think the mayor's race is going to look like when we think about getting our mojo back. Well, I think about two very two specific campaigns. Federico Pena, when he ran in 83, there were at least seven people in the race. Some of them were there, like people who, Wellington Webb ran that year. There were people who were very involved. They were politically astute. Pena was a legislator, renegade, 36 years old. And that whole campaign, Imagine a Great City, really had people thinking about the city and how it was time to change it. And it was a very old old boy network at the time. And that the city definitely had mojo at that time. You think about when Hickenlooper first ran, and it was, again, it was Aries Zavaris. It was a lot of the powers that be people. And when Hickenlooper got in the race, he had a 3% he was polling at 3% five months before the race. We, we forget this since he went on to become governor and senator. But people didn't know him unless they'd been drinking in his bar. Uh, people didn't know him. And he kind of came in with that same thing, that entrepreneurial imagining a great city feel, as opposed to someone who'd already been in the political sphere. I think we're looking at someone again like that. I hope we're looking at someone again like that who comes in with a lot of energy and a lot of new ideas. A big ideas person. But do we see that person yet? And little ideas too. I mean, there's so many little ideas that could really help this city. Yeah, I mean, if we're looking at transit issues or housing issues or parking issues. Why isn't someone from arts and venues going out every Friday night with, I mean, we've got a storyteller's office. We have Channel 8. Why aren't they going out to a place every Friday night and saying, look at what's cool here? Yeah, I do think we we don't do that well enough. Connor, what do you think about this upcoming mayor's race and this idea of Denver needing to get its mojo back? Well, I'm waiting for some big names to jump into the race. But um, yeah, I mean, I I think this this mayor's race, because no one's running against an incumbent. It's all new candidates. People are going to come with some some really big ideas, and they're going to compare their ideas to the current flatness that exists in Denver and say we we can make it a lot better so I think it's going to be really exciting in that regard yeah yeah well if folks are interested you can read uh about Denver losing its mojo and how we can get it back in the latest issue of Westward if folks want to reach out to you guys and share their ideas for mojo uh getting our mojo back or what what they're concerned about how do we do that editorial at westward.com or you can even just go through our website westward.com but we're collecting things now and we already have many 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 comments so this will be a there'll be a part two coming soon well connor and patty thank you so much our pleasure thank you that's all for this week here on citycast denver our producers this week were paul caroli aaron o'toole and andrea salenzi Peyton Garcia writes our morning newsletter, and you know me, I'm Bree Davies, your host. Our music is by Los Mogochetes, with additional mixing by Tyler Lindgren, plus more from the Epidemic Sound Library and the band All the Kimonos. If you haven't already, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. 
Follow us on Twitter at CityCast Denver and tell a friend about us next time you see them. You can sign up for our daily newsletter and learn more about us at denver.citycast.fm. Bye-bye. Today is Friday, July 22nd, 2002. I'm coming to you live from the cooler at Chili's.